Hello and welcome to, well, what is the first actual podcast of Coffee with the Boys? It's a revamped. It was Coffee with Kyle, but we've now transitioned things because what we've done now is we've got two of, well, arguably my best friends and teammates in my hosts now. I'm not saying co-hosts by any means because these guys are no, they're not co-hosts. These guys are hosts when it comes to the profession of podcasting. We've got, as an introduction, we've got Cody Jamison and Luke Magnon. Now, I could go on for days about who the heck these guys are, but we don't have time for that. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of things. We're going to have conversations. We're going to have candid conversations. We're going to spark the, the interest of lacrosse, but a magnitude of topics. So without further ado, I want, want to thank you guys for jumping on and creating this with me. I know that, Cody, you and I, we had talked about this previously last year, and we wanted to start this off and get this on on the ground running, but it took a little bit of time, but now we finally got it. But I think that we've got the right people in place. The extra year was definitely well due. So welcome to the podcast, fellas. I, uh, firstly, when you, when you were given the intro and you said, arguably, I thought I was about to get put in the same (laughs) category as jammer for lacrosse. (laughs) I'm like, Holy smokes. I could just come on here. He's going to be pumping my tires. Oh, but then you didn't. So anyways, yeah, good to be here. Why not? Let's go. <laughs> I thought he was going with the same route loop, but unlike you, I was just like, yeah, he is a pretty good. De- I had the little discussion in my head right off the top here. Yeah. He's yeah, okay, he's, but yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, I can see him getting there. I, I read his, I read his stuff. He's worked hard over the years. I, I read Mondays with Meg and he put, he's putting in the work. You can pass and catch now. If you can pass and catch, you're now on the same level of Cody with the <laughs> offseason that we've had. So anyway, I, wa- I want to ask you guys, though, obviously things have been crazy lately, but I want to in the year and a half that I guess we've been off across more so summarizing things, kind of what you've been up to, what you've been doing with a little bit of your time off. I know that across we don't usually get this extra time off, so I'm sure it's been nice to spend time with family, friends, girlfriends and be able to just kind of digest for a little bit. But concising things a little bit what have you guys been up to i'm not gonna lie you know this uh it was it was awesome at the start you know not having to worry about about where i was gonna be next and in what town sleeping in what bed you know what hotel room it was awesome uh being able to spend time at home but you know we got bored pretty quick around here you know uh, i got three kids and and a wife and you know we got pretty bored uh pretty quick i took up a lot of golf didn't get better by any means i think i got worse but it's been fun and that's usually my entertainment now. I definitely want to, I want to figure out, I put out a feeler a couple uh, months ago who the best NLL or professional lacrosse player would be at golf. I kept getting the resounding Rob Pinnell or Matt Rambo would be the top two choices, but I think some guys could give give them a run for their money. I'm really interested. I think that that should happen. I heard I've never golfed with them, but I've heard Andrew Q is a heck of a golfer. I've heard that as well. Megs, what have you been up to lately? I mean, we're just, we just got back to, uh, back to school at the Hill Academy. We're in the Peel region. So we, uh, we just got back about two weeks ago. So that's been nice to be, to be back in person, right? Those are those little things that I think we take for granted, but yeah, I mean, even to Cody's point at the start, right. It was, it was kind of nice having the time off, but geez, I would do anything to get back and playing, getting, uh, you know, trying to 
find like you're just bored you know you're going to bed at nine o'clock on a saturday <laughs> you know doing nothing right so it's <laughs> but i'm still the opposite you're still the opposite what are you doing <laughs> I'm like, yeah i'm i'm staying up later and i'm gaming it more often and later i can't sleep because i'm so bored i do nothing all day that i just have i didn't work, burn any energy so i just sit on my chair and game it I was going to say, I knew for a fact you were going to be on the sticks, which puts us into a phenomenal translation. I knew you were going to say that. All right. I got a story for you guys. I sent you earlier. I sent you a little bit of a list. It's kind of like a rundown of what we would talk about. But one thing I sent you was Grand Theft Auto, GTA RP. And I even asked Wiz, who got the Twitch stream going. He's always on the sticks. He had no idea what it was. So I'm not shocked that neither of you really knew. But GTA RP is literally Grand Theft Auto, like real person. And I'm going to preface this story with the fact that back in the day when Mango and I, and for anybody that's listening, Mag, Mango is Luke Magnon, Mag's Mango. We would go and we would sit in his, on snow days at the hill when we were living together, we would sit and we would play Grand Theft Auto. And when I say we, I don't mean me at all. I mean, Mag's would literally play Grand Theft Auto for like 16, 20 hours of the day on a snow day. First of all, we would run to 7-Eleven. We'd get a nice big extra large slushy. We'd get some candy, some chips, and we'd post up in Meg's room and just kind of sit there and chill for the duration of that Grand Theft Auto session. Now, what people are starting to do is basically like you would go on Twitch and they've revamped Twitch so that you can go on and real person and reenact these situations. So you would have a cop I would be sitting as a cop. I'd be sitting here in my cop uniform, pretending that I'm a real cop. And in Grand Theft Auto, I would hang out with all the cops. We'd go get donuts. We'd go to the shop. We'd hang out as cops. Mags might be a part of some like Twitch stream house. He'd hang out with all of his Twitch boys. And then Jim, or you'd hang out with like your boys, or maybe you're at this Santa Monica pier and you're doing all these things. It's literally real life in Twitch and you hang out as real people. Then there's proximity chat. So as soon as you get close to somebody, as long as you've got your headset on and everything, you can go and hang out with these people. And you can do these real life things in Grand Theft Auto. You run a red light, cop comes, pulls you over, you go spend 20 minutes in jail, they say. I don't have any experience on this by any means because one, I don't play video games and I don't have Grand Theft Auto. I've got a Nintendo Switch that I play for Fortnite on, which all the kids are finally playing that are five years old. That's X-Nade. But so what I preface the story with is, the night shift, which is Mike off of the impulsive show, Logan Paul's buddy, he was talking about, he was dating uh, Lana Rhodes, the porn star. And in the game, he was chatting up these girls while he was in the proximity chats and like going to weddings and doing all this stuff and stuff and hanging out with the girls. Then all these Twitch stream guys started ratting out Mike on Twitter saying like, Hey, Lana, your boy's cheating. Your boy's cheating. You got to go. You got to get on. So then she goes on, she's watching everything that he's doing on the Twitch stream. It's like hanging out with girls, going to these weddings and all this stuff. Long story short, she's like, the only way that you make this better is you shoot the girl in the face. He's like, you can't do that. You go to jail. Like you can't, you can't do those things. This is like real life. The people treat it like real life. Yeah, the cops come after you. Finally, long story short, he gets into the conversation with this girl, takes her away underneath the pier for a little bit. He's like, hey, listen, things have been going well lately, yada, yada, yada. And then shoots her in the face. Then he's got to run away because now the cops are after him because it's Grand Theft Auto. He's got to run away, jumps off the Santa Monica Pier into the water, doesn't know how to swim because you have to teach yourself how to swim in this Grand Theft Auto RP. Murder-suicide, they call it. Gets revamped, gets put back into something else. 
this whole story is like the amount of gaming that is now reversed re- revamped to real life like these grand theft auto real person things are treating it like real life you can't hang out with people anymore so now they're creating virtual friendships and virtual gaming houses to go hang out with people in grand theft auto i don't know i think it might be something you guys get into but i thought it was super interesting it's what all the kids are playing now apparently i honestly you lost me and then i came back to the story and you lost me again and i came back to the story my mind kept wandering to what would elon musk think about this because i listened to a bunch of podcasts with elon musk and you know and the way he talks about artificial intelligence and and all that in the future stuff and that's what that kept coming back to me i don't know my mind was my mind was in a whirlwind of stuff going left and right you guys have to go on youtube search this mike the night shift and watch the clip because it is so funny like him murdering this girl jumping off the pier and dying but elon i don't i maybe elon would be approving of it but i could not believe that this is like the new thing to do is go on gaming hang out with your pals it's like the modern day sims Uh, the first thing i thought of was that movie with uh gerard butler where he's like the character in like a not a video game but he's controlled i forget what the movie's called but yeah that that's a lot holy smokes i can't believe that well i guess i can there's what's not to believe nowadays but holy smokes that's uh something else absolutely uh second note that i've got nfts this is more relatable the first one was kind of like a out there i can't made me reminisce of megs and i hanging out for 16 hours playing grand theft auto this next one nfts non fungible tokens have you guys heard of this recently no i have not i i looked at it and i did a little bit of quick research when you sent it over the first thought when i heard non-fungible tokens was why would anybody want any kind of fungus or fungi on currency and i thought it may be you know a lot of money's dirty and especially with what's going on now in the world with with coronavirus and all that i thought maybe it had correlation together but um i was way off yeah, you're way off. Megs, do you have any idea what this is? Oh, the first thing I thought of was, I was saying to Jammer before, was the fun coupons from Wolf of Wall Street. Ripper, no fun coupons where he's slinging the $100 bills <laughs> off of his yacht to the cop. That's the first thing I thought of. So, no, I have absolutely no idea. All right, so non-fungible tokens. And I don't, there's a lot of people that really have no idea what it is. And when I first heard of non-fungible tokens, I was on the same page as you guys. I didn't really understand what this was. But basically what it are what they are like non-interchangeable funds so you would create so top shelf has these nba cards now where like you can sell off you can sell off things like plays like lebron james most famous dunk you can sell it off and it would be like one of 49 and so instead of having the physical card now you have on like your literal phone you now have the rights to lebron james's dunk or you have like a tyler hero uh, player card on your phone but they're just graphics they're not actual player cards anymore and so what they're saying is that all player cards are going to be now transitioning to what would be these non um, non-fungible tokens where you basically would have the rights to a play or a player's card but not a literal not in a literal sense in the same the way that it was best approached to me was Non-fungible tokens are the equivalent now of like, what does a blue check mark on Instagram mean? It's just there, you have it, 
but it means a lot. It holds a lot of validity to it. You now have this blue thing beside your name that gives you more credibility, more access to different things, more swipe up opportunities, all this stuff, but it's literally just a thing beside your name. These non-fungible tokens or these top shelf NBA player cards are now like, and there's art pieces as well. Like it's literally everything in the world now is becoming this non-fungible token where people can buy these tokens and now they have access to them on their phone, but you can't, I couldn't, like if Cody, you had one, I couldn't screen record or copy your phone and say that I have it as well. It'd be like through QR codes that you have that one specific right to that card and that's it. Yeah, I don't, I still don't really understand how that, how that could happen in today's, you know, worldwide web days. You know, it, it seems like it's anything can get stolen and anything can get used uh, for another person's benefit i guess i guess you could say take me back to the old days where we just collected hockey cards i remember cutting out remember cutting out the hockey cards from the back of the uh like kd boxes the big ones like man the amount of baseball cards i have at home is is absurd i remember it took me so long to get a jordan tutu box of craft dinner Every, every time we went I would go to with my mother to the grocery store every Sunday. Sundays were grocery days for the week. I would go and I would literally look at every single box of craft dinner in the grocery store. And I finally found one and I had it. Duh, I don't know. I, I was trying to keep it nice and pretty and intact. I took it upstairs to my room. Well, didn't like uh, literally 10 days later, I got a mouse in my room, I guess, and it chewed through the box to get to the cheese. And so I have a big hole into the corner of Jordan Tutu's skate, and I felt like an idiot. Well, did you see Jordan Tutu's most recent uh, claim to fame that he got awarded? It's not like a literal award, but he was the uh, the greatest NHL hit of the 21st century on Sportsnet. Oh, I saw that Did you that see hit. that hit? Holy smokes. Yeah. So your card had the mouse not got in. It might have been a lot worth worth more money now. And the thing about that hit is it watch it. That guy might not even have got hurt at all because he he flipped around so fast that he didn't really absorb any impact. It was probably just like more of a shock to his body than anything. Those hits, the big ones, half the time they don't hurt as much as the little nitty gritty ones on the side of the boards. Like uh, what's his face got hurt. Um for the leaps uh thornton got hurt just recently with kind of like a nonchalant play then something like that you expect the guy to be out six to eight weeks on the ir not 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 the case sometimes those don't hurt as much yeah if he gets if he gets hit any harder he's just going to continue skating like that's how hard he hit him <laughs> he's just going to do a backflip and land right on his feet and he's going to keep you know continue skating on there that's a lot hilarious. of the times you got to think of it that you know two grown two grown-ass men colliding at full speed, fully braced up all their muscles in their body. You know, that that's that's you know a juggernaut impact where you know if so, if one person is braced and the other person isn't, it's just kind of like you're going through them and he's just absorbing the hit and however he lands would be the toughest part of the hit itself. Who who'd soupy hit last year? Casey Jackson on the SEALs. You remember that hit on the RN, the side of the words? That's what it kind of reminded me of. Not obviously to the same extent, but it's like the most relatable i once laid out uh and it's kind of funny and he's really going to get me back for this but i once laid out graham in kind of a similar hit where (laughs) graham hosick where he was running full full tilt at me and i was standing still and 
I was just kind of standing there to like, don't run this way kind of thing, but he still ran directly at me. I think he did. I was just standing still and he would full tilt, but I, I kind of like, yeah, just like shouldered him at the last second kind of where he maybe didn't think I was going to hit him. And it knocked him off his feet so flat into the boards that it was the best hit of my life. I believe it. Honestly, he uh, like, Hey, I'm two and zero against him in leg wrestling. Everyone's seen it. You guys were both there. I believe it. You, you, all this talk about how good he is. Just kidding. Whoever bro. cheats, whoever cheats the most, <laughs> wins the most. We'll pull up that clip. We'll put it in there. We'll find it somewhere. That was an epic. Uh, that was an epic little leg wrestle. But for anybody that is listening, doesn't understand. Graham is the kind of person that he's built like a, a brick wall. Wouldn't even stand a chance against this Graham Hasek. He's built in a way that robots aren't even built you can't move the guy he just picks people up throws them around so anybody that's listening graham is the kind of person that you literally don't move cody's the kind of alternative where more so scoring goals trying to get around people maybe that's where you got him where he's like ah this little biatch she's not gonna hit me and then boom <laughs> you lay him out all right so for anybody that really was sleeping in the lacrosse community over the last day here we were are recording this on monday the news broke earlier this morning that Paul Rabel in the PLL was traded back to, let's say, his alma mater in the major league lacrosse, uh, now professional PLL. Um, he was traded back to the Boston Cannons, which to some people came away, but to some people saw it coming. The Cannons enter the PLL in this merger. It makes a lot of sense to have Paul Rabel come back to the team that he was drafted first overall with, I believe, in 2008. Drafted first overall, plays his career in Boston, scores five, six goals a game, is on an absolute tear, then obviously moves on, goes to New York, then starts the PLL. But the breaking news this morning was, one, that he got traded, but that kind of came before the rest of the news came that the protected rosters were due. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this this Paul Rabel trade. To me, it makes sense. To me, I, I feel like I saw it coming a mile away, but I want to get your guys' thoughts. PR making... PR moves, man. <laughs> like, I, it's such a, I don't know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly, but honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it just, I feel like it's, hey, they're, it's a, in, in ways, it's, it's a good PR move for them. They're going to talk about this a lot. He's going back to his, you know, yeah, team he got drafted by, you know, for what makes sense, like a lot of picks, right? It, it seems like Atlas is, you know, definitely reloading right they've gotten rid of quite a few players now right with the recent trade and uh rob pinnell too and loading up on picks so yeah they're i don't know the clearly they're changing something but you know then now the league has something to you know just something more to talk about too right which uh you know is just going to generate more hype people are talking about it just more buzz around the league so that's pr pr making pr moves I think uh, I think it was a good move for the Atlas. You know, they took a they they were taking a lot of heat from the lacrosse world for you know being Paul and all of his buddies and and you know being being stacked on paper, but you know their their play on the field was very lackluster. Where you know it kind of makes it a little bit more legitimate saying you know he was the face of he's the face of the league, he owns the league, but he's not untradeable. I think this was a good lacrosse move to show the lacrosse world and to show that the PLL is a legitimate league and it's not just run by Paul and it's not just run for, for him and his buddies and, and to take things like that. I think as, as a league, they did a great job in letting their coach, you know, really coach a team and manage the team the way he feels fit. No, Who I wins agree. the trade, do you think? 
I I think the Atlas win the trade overall. I'm obviously an avid Cannons fan, but I think the Atlas win it because it's not just that trade. I think you've also got to put into effect the Pinnell trade as well, where now they've opened up a lot of room to literally, like Jammer said, revamp that Atlas team where it's not just Paul and his boys anymore. It's a legitimate team that is trying to make a run with Rubio as the coach at a championship. And I think that those are some of the moves they needed to make in order to, to really legitimize themselves. So I think that from a, from a PR standpoint, the Cannons absolutely win this. I think from a lacrosse standpoint, I think that the Atlas win it for the long term. Short term, I don't really know. Long term, I think Atlas come out on top of this win. I'm a, I'm I'm right I'm the other side of the fence than than that if than you are KJ where I think the Atlas win the PR move because they did something that no one else expected you know nobody expected Paul Rabel to switch teams after two years in the PLL they thought that was his team and they thought he kind of ran it and ran the show and that hiring you know hiring the coach and firing the coach after the first year and hiring Ben Rubio as a coach that he was still controlling like he was the puppet master still controlling that team where I feel like PR wise, it shows that, you know, Ben Rubio really is putting his fingerprint on it. I think lacrosse wise, you know, people forget that Paul, who Paul Rabel really is, you know, he's one of the best players in the world. Still, he had a rough bubble tournament or bubble season, whatever they were calling it. I know his shooting percentage was bad. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't playing like his normal self, but I think this year we see a enough, like a refocused, a re-energized Paul Rabel and he gets back to being dominated again. I like that. I think that you, I, I really do like that. I think that this was kind of too many hands in the cookie jar type situation. And now he's going to get to take a step back and really revamp himself as a lacrosse player that he made himself out to be early on. I think it's going to be a good move. I, I, I do like it. And I'm excited for what the PLL has to offer. I, I said it in one of earlier podcasts. I really do wish that the Cannons came over with the championship team because we had a lot of great pieces on that team. I would have loved to have seen that, but I also didn't think it would have been a good move if an MLL team comes into the PLL and let's say hypothetically takes over the PLL, beats the Whipsnakes, who are two-time defending champs. Not a good look. Smart move by them not doing that, but I really wish that that would happen because I I think we would have had a great shot at doing something special because we had a really good group of guys. I don't, yeah, I don't think, uh, I I don't think it would have been, I'll say fair in the fact if for you guys to bring over the whole the whole cannons team from the MLL to the PLL, I think you know by by disbanding the team and creating creating that new team, it makes it new just like every other team that has been into the league already. Absolutely, I think my big question to you guys, I think these moves, I love seeing moves like this. Like that's why the NBA, everybody loves the NBA. On top of the fact that you can gamble on those sports, I think by gambling on sports, you increase fandom with people that literally don't care about the actual sport. They just want to see a return on their $5 investment on a nice parlay. I think gambling adds value to your, your team and your sports. Um, but then on top of it, um, what was I, what was I saying? Jesus Christ, brain fart adding value. Oh, I like, I like how the PLLs had these magnificent trades, let's say where you're trading large value people like E McKay just got traded. Who's also a great player but gets put onto a team where I think he's going to excel a lot better. You've got Rob Pinello in the trade. You've got Sergio Salcedo was already traded. Who's also a big name. You've got Miles Jones who was traded. You've got these big trades that are going on in the P inside the PLL, which I think add a massive amount of let's say publicity to the sport and make people at least aware where I think that a lot of times the NLL doesn't have that you're in these 
situations where like you don't really get if you're with a team you're usually with a team for a really long time you don't have these blockbuster deals which not that i would love to see that happen to a lot of people but i think that it adds because you don't have necessarily the gambling side of things at your disposal if you have big name trades i think it adds a lot more fandom to your sport what do you guys think let's not forget about the biggest trade of them all you know rables was big Pinell's was big sergio's big but let's not forget about ian mckay mickey i know he made a made a little remark on twitter about being forgotten on on the trade list so let's let's make sure we throw you know mickey a mickey a bone here and and you know say, say that that was a massive trade absolutely i think that those the chaos get way better with him because he's a guy that wasn't being utilized on the archers and then finally gets to go basically be quote unquote on the canadian team now i think he's going to do a phenomenal job over there i really i really do i think that that like you said is a phenomenal trade for everybody that was involved but primarily him who was a guy that was just kind of pushed to the side with the talent they had and wasn't really utilized now he's going to get a chance to play with people that are of his caliber of his let's say descent in the canadian roots and get to really experience that lifestyle and not just sitting on the bench i got a question for meg do you think that dane had any part in this trade bringing over his buddy and best friend and fellow buffalo bandit and national lacrosse league roommate I don't know if you want to call him roommate, but maybe living rent free at his house, maybe or something. Do you think Dane has any? Hundred percent. Him and Josh Burns, right? The, who do they? So now they got Ian. They they'll probably draft or sign Gilray somehow. Well, I guess he's in Rochester now, but still, they'll find a way to get him. They got Chase Frazier over there. So yeah, hundred percent, they're involved in that, right? I I guarantee Andy Towers is asking them and. I mean, he even said it too, right? Is, you know, Ian's a locker room guy or, you know, really, I guess he quoted like Canadians are in general, but yeah, hundred percent he's involved with that. But in terms of the, what were you saying earlier, KJ, with like the PR and like the trades and stuff and all these trades, I think when you compare it to like the NLL is it's tricky, right? Like I think all the coaches in the PLL, like all that matters is winning. That's strictly, I think like really, there's obviously a lot of different things that go into your team to be successful. But right now, like being a new league, the only thing that matters is to win. Like they don't have to worry about PR much. Like that's all, everything's run by the league, right? Our fan base, right? How does that have an impact of like your hometown team and stuff? So I think they have that ability right now is to test, test that, right? Miles Jones, Hey, it wasn't working in chaos. Okay. See you later. Right. Clearly, you know, Clearly, Atlas are doing a bit of a fire sale, right? Things aren't working, you know, and they're, hey, Rubio comes in. He doesn't think they're going to win with this group, right? And he gets rid of Paul Rabel, uh, you know, Scotty Rogers, Kyle Hartzell, right? Rob Pinnell. So, I don't know. I, I think it's it's hard to compare, like, the leagues in, in that aspect, you know, thinking from, I guess, or looking at it through that lens, but it's interesting, right? That could be a whole debate within itself. Absolutely. All right, let's get into college lacrosse here. Right? We touched on the PLL. We vaguely touched on the NLL. But what I want to talk about is college lacrosse. It's at the forefront right now. It's the biggest thing going in lacrosse right now. It's the only lacrosse that's happening. I'm on the Georgetown bandwagon. They've given up two goals in two games. Now, they haven't played the greatest competition. But, I mean, they put up, I think, 17 or 19 in both games. So, I'm on the Georgetown bandwagon. Q's jammer, you and I, we had a little bit of a wager there. I drastically lost that one, but Q's is looking hot as well. But I think Georgetown might might be the team right now to look out for. Yeah, but like you said, it's a, it's a tough 
it's tough to really tell this early in the season, you know, and especially, you know, in today's times, you know, being able to practice, uh, you know, for a full week, getting games under your belt, you know, playing against strong competition, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes practice, you just can't cut it. Sometimes practice just doesn't do the intensity justice or the physicality justice. There's so many variables um, when it comes to practice, not wanting to hurt your hurt your starters and star players, um, going a little bit easy on everybody. So um, it's t- tough to replicate game time, you know, in practice. And I think that's what bit Cuse in the butt the first game. Army is always tough, especially in the Dome. You know, I have a bad experience, you know, Army beating me out of uh, my senior season first round in the Dome. So I know that they always, uh, you know, come ready to play when they show up to the to the Dome. So um, I'm still on the Cuse bandwagon for sure. Army is the real deal, though. Like they're they definitely had some it, it's to your point, too, though, right? Like first game for Q's tough, but I think Army is legit. They've definitely I mean, they do push ups for fun and <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to give you a tough game. You know that, you know, but they definitely have some skill, which which makes them a lot better. But so many teams are good this year, especially with the covid and seniors, you know, uh, seniors coming back. Right, UNC pumping 27 goals in, right? Virginia stacked, obviously just lost by 10. But, you know, uh, I think playing on the road, right, maybe a little bit of difference there. Syracuse one-on-one might be the best team in the country. Like, individual-wise, they're legit. And then I guess you could say that about Virginia too. But holy smokes, they're, there's so much talent between the ACC, Maryland, obviously, gross. Uh, Dordovic is sick at the midfield. But I put out that a post the other day on Instagram. I said, if you're an attackman, this is my theory. I don't know if it's everybody's, but this is my theory. If you're an attackman, I genuinely think that if you're a goal scorer, you need minimum two to three goals a game, no questions asked. I think that that should be the bare minimum. I think that if you're a feeder and you're a distributor, five to six points as an attackman, you literally see every single scenario. You're on the field the whole time. That's my thoughts. I think that Syracuse, in order to develop into the powerhouse that they should be, I think that they need to find that attackman who's going to get them minimum three goals a game, especially when Scanlon's getting a short stick against Virginia and I don't think had a goal. That's my theory. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't like that theory personally. You know, sometimes your best form of attack is, you know, taking away the other team's best defender. And so if, if you're going best on best, yes, you know, they might shut down who who is the best attackman, but he's taking away the other team's best defender by, you know, drawing him out and sucking him way out and creating, you know, more first pass, second pass looks rather than, you know, your star player, or your star attackman, just trying to take the rock to the to the net every time and getting doubled and tripled, having, you know, packages ready to slide at him. So sometimes, you know, it is the, a better form of offense for your star player, your, your leading scorer to kind of take that secondary role and take the other team's best player away and for a team like Syracuse being so deep, losing one guy doesn't really do anything when you got one A sitting there ready to go as well. Let me ask you this question then. This will determine whether my point, I have validity to it or not. Let me ask you this. How many times in your career at Q's, let's say at Q's, while you're while you were playing, how many times in college lacrosse as an attackman did you have under two goals? Yeah, I can't remember anything like that. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I couldn't tell you that story or that, that how many, zero clue. I have a tough time believing that you didn't have two goals in almost every game. I have a tough time. Well, I wasn't. That. And then you're not a feeder. You're not a feeder. You're getting five, six points a game. You're not a feeder. 
your goal scorer. Let's not forget that. I'm just saying, I think that, I think that what your point was very valid, but I'm just saying in order for Q's to really develop, I genuinely think that they need one of their attackmen to step up and be somebody that gets them right off the bat started hot goal here. Now you're looking at free money the rest of the game. Okay. You need one, two more goals to really get it started. Cause you know, Dordovic's getting minimum three goals a game. Anyway, their midfield's legit. I just think for them to take that next step, they do need to find that attack and it's going to get them those extra goals. I, you, you answered our question. I know that Meg's on the same page. You never had one goal. What I do want to talk about, because we're transitioning a little bit into something that Mags and I have an amazing laughter at every single time you tell this story. And I think you need to tell it to our audience. But please, for the love of Jesus, tell us the story about the overtime winner that you scored in the NCAA championship game. Because to most people, they would assume they would assume that Cody Jameson, you know, he's playing all game. He's got seven, eight goals. He's this amazing powerhouse out on the field. But little do people know that between Sid's late game heroics, you might have been a little bit of an outcast in the huddle and not really sure of what was happening when you were supposed to go on the field. Tell us about it. I thought you were talking to Mango the entire time. I was like, I have not heard this story of Mango scoring this overtime winner. No, <laughs> well, no I got another one from Maggie. St- Stare at being in the back of the huddle, not knowing what's going on. That sounds a little more familiar. Scoring the overtime thriller. Jeez. What? Let's get Cody. I need you to tell us this story. And then Mags is going to tell us another story that I'll get into right after. Cause we can touch on that one as well. Yeah. So my story, uh, the 2009 championship game, we had three lefty attackmen and we kind of rotated, you know, I wouldn't say frequently, but we, we took, we, you know, we took our share of, of the, of the role, you know, we, we rotated through and everybody got a little bit of time here and there. So I played, I played sparingly a little bit in the, first quarter um and not very much in the second or third but I played the whole fourth quarter and going into overtime you know I was just amazed at one the comeback you know I just, we all knew we all had that feeling we could do it we just needed to get the ball and they were doing so much of you know the stalling and just passing it around and once we got rolling we knew we could score goals so after we did that we you know, come back and scored going into overtime I was just on the outside of the huddle when everybody was inside listening to coach Desco's uh, play and what he wanted us to run when we did get the ball back and, you know, being prepared, you know, not turn, making turnovers, but I was on the outside of the huddle, the very last row, just looking around at all the people, you know, there were so many people there. Um, definitely the biggest stage I've ever played on at Gillette stadium where the new England Patriots play and just kind of enjoying the moment. I was just, you know, looking around and seeing everybody cheer and, you know, just the whole moment, just taking it all in. And I remember, you know, Coach Desco yelling, you know, Cody, do you know, Cody, where's Cody? And I couldn't, you know, I just had to hurry up and get to the front. He's like, do you see this? Do you know what you're doing? I said, yeah, yeah, I got it. We went out onto the field and I had to go up to Keo and Kenny Nims, the other attackman, and say, all right, now what are, what's going on? What are we doing here? And they just said, no, just, just do, just do our norm, like just play. So I don't still really don't know what was said in, in that huddle, but, it had to have been pretty good. And then, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. You know, Sid stripped them. We came down. I think we might've missed the net the very first shot, but we, you know, backed it up and got the ball. You know, Dan Hardy made it, uh, you know, had a wide open look. You know, he he was a great player. I know, you know, if he took that shot from that spot, you know, it was going in, but he passed it down to me when my guy slid up. 
which they weren't really doing all game. They weren't really sliding up from me up upfield. So I was surprised that my guy actually left me and uh, Dan threw a, threw a pass into me and, you know, I just caught it and uh, caught it, turned and shot. I didn't really watch it go in the net because, you know, it's, it's in my head, I already knew I was going to score. I already had a celebration planned. So I just knew it was going to go in. As soon as I caught the ball, I, my first thought was I just won the national championship. Holy. So I had, I had the celebration planned, but all that went all out the window. As soon as I caught the ball, I knew I was just, where's Sid? You know, where's Sid? I, I got to go. I got to go talk to Sid. I got to go hug Sid because, you know, without him, I wouldn't have been in that position to do that. And uh, he'll tell me the same thing, you know, without me, uh, you know, without me there, he might not have been in that same situation. So, you know, I just wanted to go celebrate with him and, you know, kind of thank him for, for everything. That was a tough year for me personally. So thank him for everything and really celebrate with him. And, uh, you know, so I just took off. Some say that was the fastest they ever seen me run. <laughs> That's so awesome. I, I remember asking that story when we were, uh, asking you guys to tell that story when we were in the airport. Remember we were flying to Georgia and uh, what well, we were in the airport until like three 30 in the morning and everyone's like swapping stories. I remember you guys telling that story, but I always, and we were talking about it the other day. I, me- I remember what, like I remember as a kid, even now, like going back, watching that YouTube video, everyone's seen it right of all the highlights, but what gets cut out is Sid strip. Right. And then you go back, you watch the full game and how that play develops and him getting the ball back. And it's pretty quick from there. Right. And that's pretty cool. You're running down to Sid, too. That's like that's an iconic, iconic moment. Right. That probably doesn't get talked enough about. Right. Not to really pump your tires either, but it's like that moment. Right. I mean, for two two boys from six nations right being on the biggest stage like that's something that needs to be talked about more you know celebrated more that you know stories like that it's that's uh, pretty amazing i think that's arguably one of the greatest lacrosse games in history comeback stories people don't also understand that the comeback story behind it was epic as well and sid obviously having the late game heroics made the overtime possible but I love that story. Megs obviously loves that story. Let's do a little bit of a 360 because you thought I was talking to Megs. We can talk about Megs. And I'm going to ask this question first. Megs, how many college goals did you score? I don't know, 0.5. Depends who you ask. Let's be be honest and tell me that you scored one, correct? I scored one. On paper, I scored one. Now now tell everybody, including Cody, the, the miraculousness of this only collegiate goal. And I was on the field for it, but Please tell everybody how you scored this goal. And don't leave out any, and I mean any details. Tell us everything. The full story. Um, full story to a T. Full story to a T. It's uh, a beautiful day at Michigan Stadium, right? We're, in we're the big playing, house. We're playing in the big house. Yeah, so playing in the big house. So in Michigan, in the sunshine. Shun, 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 sunshine. Shun, 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 shun. <laughs> Far from sunshine state. I'm trying to think of this story at the same time. Anyways, <laughs> long story short, you know, I think we win the game by about 15. So obviously they, they throw in the threes and the fours. So I get my chance. I get my run. Right. <laughs> well, okay. First of all, you lost, you lost the game one and you're saying the three and fours were in. I believe how the story goes is you stripped me on offense. You grabbed the ball. You ran down. I think at some point you stripped me and then also stepped over me in this story. How that happened, I don't know. Then yeah. you ran down and you what? Took a massive bomb for 20 yards out? Yeah, it would have been a three bomb if there was a line. But actually, the, what's funny is uh, one of our attackmen was back cutting. So what an, what an asshole, right? I'm going for my first goal of the year. He back cuts in front of his guy trying to get his. 
hey, I'm trying to get mine, right? So, but team player, I'm winding up to shoot halfway. You know, when you're about halfway through the shot and you see something like that and you kind of like half it, half your shot, whatever, alligator arm. So I do that, not because of that, just because naturally that's my skill level. And I, so I throw it into him as a pass and he missed the pass and the goalie was following him and it went in. But it went down on paper as, uh, as a goal. They all count. They all count. I went right to the locker room. <laughs> that was our last wanted- game of the year. It was actually so depressing. We were so bad. You guys were done. And we go from one of arguably the best goals in collegiate lacrosse history to Mags' story of how he scored in the big house with his only collegiate goal, stripping me on offense, running down, throwing yeah. a massive three-yard bomb. But- Everybody has big goals. You don't forget them. Well, thanks. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We obviously are super excited to have this podcast. Coffee with the boys, Cody Jameson, Luke Magnon, myself, Chuck. We've got all the boys here. We're ready to have an awesome adventure with you guys. We're ready to spew a lot of knowledge, both on the lacrosse side of things and not. We've talked about NFTs today. We talked about Grand Theft Auto, real person. Uh, So stay tuned. We're going to be releasing podcasts every Thursday. So tune back in next Thursday for our next podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. So turn the lights down low. Rolling up my sleeve right now